Episode 88 of the Bevan James Isles Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast. Where are you looking? Radio Joe, I was going to say Radio Joe, Joe's my partner, I was going to say, <laughs> Radio Team, welcome along to the Bib and James Owls show, the fitness behaviour podcast, the fortnightly podcast that talks about the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Well, welcome along to today's show, it's, it's, it's meant to be my interview show, my interviews are all falling over the place right now and I've had a, I was meant, I've meant to have lots of cool interviews coming up and all of them are having to postpone, which is proving to be a bit of a pain in the butt, but we will survive. And so I'm just trucking on with your pretty traditional Bevan show in today's episode. Hopefully I'll have an interview up for you in a couple of weeks from now. And if not, doesn't matter. Hopefully you get lots of value out of these shows anyway. Um, yeah, today's show I'm going to be talking about two different kind of concepts that I think I've actually... Uh, a lot of the, lot of, you know, a lot of the things that I bring to the show, or the ideas I bring to the show, I come from my own experiences. A lot of them will come from, you know, sometimes just working with clients. And uh, one client in particular, I've been getting lots of stuff with recently, and and I've got some more information that I just want to share. Um, and learnings, you know, some of it's, I don't know, that that, that you can get value from as well. So I'm going to begin into that in the main gist of today's show. Because I got a lot of great feedback about the last show. It seemed to really, people seem to really tap into that feedback or, or the concepts that we talked about in that last show and that, you know, talking about the challenge and all those types of things. So it was really good to see. And I really enjoy, appreciate people letting me know that they enjoy the shows and particularly how some of the concepts that what we talk about in the show are, um, you know, are making people shift. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? It's kind of sharing that kind of idea of how do we learn from this experience and become better at it so yeah um outside of that I, I don't really have much to add right now i'm kind of in that moment where um coming out of winter life's just ticking over um and, you know that's the gist of it really so there's not i'm not really going to have the long intro today that i normally have sometimes on this show the introduction can go for up to half an hour <laughs> which for a show that's at its longest is an hour long it's a, it's a long introduction so today I'm not doing the long introduction today, I'm going to pretty much get straight into the main gist of the show, So, but before I do, I've got to mention some patrons, and I actually have a new patron, and his name is Scott McMillan, Scott McMillan, uh, welcome to the patronage of the show, you're one of the special few who actually support this show by giving some of your hard-earned cash my way when I release the show every fortnight, Scott McMillan, now, uh, there's a bit of a story behind your nickname here, and and. I hope you like it. it well, you'll, you'll figure out. I went to school with a girl called Trudy McMillan. Um, Trudy was a girl who was actually a little bit older than me. was one of my sister's best friends for a while. And Trudy McMillan, uh, I seem to recall she loved that song, Black Betty. Now, you know, oh, Black Betty, bam, blam, oh, Black Betty. Um, and so I kind of, when I thought of, when I saw your last name, I just instantly thought of that song, Black Betty, which is a great song. It's actually quite a fascinating song when you actually look into the history of the song Black Betty because the original version of that song actually came out, and let me have a look, it was released in 1939. So if you listen to the original version of that song, which is kind of amazing, really, isn't it? Because it's a song that you kind of think such a rock song, but it was written by a guy called Led 
belly. Now, for those who really love 90s music and into Nirvana, Nirvana in their song and their album, the Unplugged album, there's a song, My girl, my girl, don't lie to me. So there you go, I obviously sound just like them. But um, that was by Lead Belly as well. And so, and Lead Belly was kind of one of the early pioneers on blues music. And, um, but that song's been very popular. And it's actually, if you go onto YouTube, and you find the original versions of it. It's um, actually I'm going to do it right now. You'll hear, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pause. I know this isn't about fitness, but it's quite fascinating to me. So I'm going to share with this with you guys. So let me pause and I'll come back with the song. Okay, this is this is this week in music with Bevan because I'm loving this topic. I, I haven't actually gone on a YouTube. I haven't lost 20 minutes of my life right now because I just went straight to YouTube. But I do love it when you get those moments when you kind of get lost in a subject. And this is a pretty cool subject. So um, Lead Belly was a, yeah, a singer in the 20s. I think the song got released in 19... Oh no, 1939 was it when the song got released. And um, for those who don't know the song, so if we go back to the original version, if we go to this version of the song that people know, so if I just go Black Betty here, um, I know I'm going on a tangent here, Ram, Ram Jam is the band that everyone knows it for. So Ram Jam... And lots of people have copied it since then, but here's kind of the Ram Jam version. Here we go. So this is this week in music. Oh, I've got an ad. I'm going to skip an ad. And here we go. Pause it for a second there. Just set this down. Okay. So here we go. Here's... Here it is. This is... This is... Oh, yeah. This is great music. So if you, this is this is classic kind of rock. So... Yeah, hopefully, I hope you guys are enjoying this as well as it is. I just listened to the first bit of the song, so. Oh, come on, they're taking a while to sing. Here we go. Okay, hopefully you guys heard that, because I know it's kind of background in the music and the podcast, but there is... A classic song, isn't it? That's just a great rock song. The, the the coming in, then the singing, and just the kind of the attitude of the song is really cool. Well, the song was written by Lead Belly, and it was released in 1939. And here's Lead Belly, Lead Belly doing the song, uh, which is a kind of completely different version. So there you go. So there you go. The difference in that song, and I, I, it's it's one of the most classic songs of all time, isn't it? When you think about it, because it's been around forever, and it's, and you know it's a song that I think it got released by another band, I think called Spider Bait, a couple of years ago, and and so on and so on. So, um, just a kind of a cool story there. Anyway. Why am I talking about this? Why am I, have I gone to This Week in Music with Bevan? Well, the thing that we need to know is that Trudy McMillan loved that song. And so your nickname, Scott McMillan, is going... Actually, I might call you Lead Belly. There we go. Lead Belly. I was going to call you Ram Jam because the Ram Jam was, was the song that was released in the 70s and it was the first version that I played for you guys just then. But actually, I'm not. I'm going to call you Scott Lead Belly McMillan. There we go. Because you're the originator of something classic. There we go. Hopefully, that, hopefully, hopefully you like that one. Because you've definitely had the longest description of why you've got a nickname in the show's history. There we go. A couple of the other uh, patrons of the show. Sarah, the Oracle Hill. 
Scott Young, ACDC or Akadeka. We've got David the Unstoppable Storm Hale. And then we've got Powell, which is the mystery. So if you want to become a patron of the show, you just go to bevanjamesisles.com. And uh, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll do another big long theory behind why I'll give you your patronage name as well. So just go to Bevan James Isles. It's all pretty obvious from the website. And uh, yeah, thank, for the, thank you to the patrons who are already a part of the show. Anyway, guys, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. And so let's rock and roll. Here's some transfer music and then we'll be straight into it. One thing, I, uh, just you know, as a as a person who gets the experience of coaching people, you get you get there's a level of insight that you. Um, I think I may have even talked about this in the last show. This kind of level of insight that you get that maybe you know you only discover because you get to go through this process of people trying to overcome big things. And uh, one of my clients who I've been recently working with has. Um, been doing some really impressive work and uh, they've got some areas that they want to to shift in their life as you know that's why you get a mentor or a coach or something like that in your life and they've got these areas they want to shift in their life and then you work towards helping them create the change that they desire ultimately and one thing you discover pretty quickly early on in my role is that helping them figure out the real cause is your job and once we can start to dig deep enough into figuring out the real cause of what what creates the cha- the problem that I feel I need to change, then you have a much better chance of actually working towards shifting. Because, you know, like it's that interesting thing. I had another session with a client recently and it was kind of like, well, you know, and they were, they were you know, they want to lose some weight. And they didn't actually come to me for weight loss. This person, they actually just, they got a busy life and they just wanted to get on top of things. But they were overweight. And so the weight thing came up from in a session. And I kind of just said, well, why are you overweight? And I've talked about this on the podcast. And, you know, and, and it was really obvious that it, it, it's, you know, sure, the food's the problem. But actually it was because of how they deal with emotion. And so, you know, once we start to understand that then we start to really go okay well sure you need to become better at making better healthy food choices but actually you need to become much better at dealing with emotion and if you can win that battle then the flow and effect of bad eating is not going to be the problem and so you know i always love this idea of what's the real the deeper level thing we need to be looking for within change and so you know with this new client that i've been working for the last couple months you know we've been digging really deep and creating some really massive change and and it's been really fascinating watching this person shift and and kind of the discoveries they're making and and to to me the one thing you know when we think about change and we think about behavior change one thing we were trying to always look for is consistency this whole idea of you know it's it's easy you know i'm sure many of you listening to this right now have had this moment in your life where you've wanted to change something and there's been a period of time where that change is kind of easy because the the excitement of the new the motivation of the moment um you know everything's kind of not you know everything's kind of the the kind of the momentum of what you're doing is rolling you along and then after a period of time let's say you're trying to lose weight or something and you you have a diet period and you change your diet and at first it is it's kind of easy and you know success seems likely and, and very possible but then after a period of time 
depending on the person, you can you can kind of sneak back and kind of think that I'm never going to actually achieve. You know, you, you start to slip and you start to fall behind. And so one thing that we try to really work on when you are trying to create change with people is you're, you're trying to basically, or at least what I'm trying to do is help them discover the cause. Like I was saying before, what's the real problem here? What's the thing that we need to address? Okay, well, when I get emotional, I overeat. Okay, so the thing we need to work on is healthier ways to deal with emotion. And then what we try to do is we try to develop tools and strategies, basically, you know, and, and I, I love this idea of, I just need to, I, I, we want to develop better ways of the moment that I need to deal with. And, and what tools and strategies am I going to practice in those times? And so let's say, let's just use this emotional kind of eating thing. And I know lots of people have that emotional eating problem. So it's a probably good way of looking at it. So this emotional eating problem, you know, you realize that through some, some reflection or maybe some working with somebody else, you realize that for you, emotional eating is the big problem. And so then I discover that, well, you sure, again, I need to think about what I'm eating, but if I were to have much better ways of dealing with my emotion, then the need to overeat and eat bad food would probably decrease and maybe even be eliminated over time. So the thing I need to work on over the next period of time is healthier ways to deal with the emotion of my life. And so then what we'll do in my kind of sessions is that we'll then spend some time exploring tools. And I often say to my clients that tools are very much like chucking mud at the wall, you know, that there's no one tool that works for every person. And for me with my clients, you know, like I've kind of in my mind, I have a, a massive kind of toolbox of ideas that I can suggest to my clients to give a try and um and you know and also we explore in in their past what have been tools that they've used in their past you know in those success period and can we implement those tools now and so the next period of time is what we do is we kind of spend some time just figuring out some tools and uh and it is kind of that throwing mud at the wall we kind of try to we we try some tools and they'll come back to me and say you know what Bev this thing here has massively successful I just it works for me really well it's successful you know if I'm just thinking going back to that analogy of emotional eating that you know when I do this I feel on top of my emotions and so on and so on and then you know they may come back to me and go but this tool here uh, it just didn't work for me and it's really interesting as a guy who sits in a role where I work with lots of different people that you you know different tools totally work for different person people and it's a good thing to know actually because it's you know I think Often one of the biggest problems for people who have been created change is when they want to support others, they think that their way is the only way. Um, and so that, you know, well, here's what I did, so it must work for you. And, and as a kind of like a person who tries to help people, I always think that my job is not to tell you, well, I did it this way, so you must do it this way. And, and often that's why I struggle with people who try to sell the ultimate formula that should work for every person, because that's it's you know it's just not right you know we're all different and so what will work will be different as well so you know we, we first of all if I'm kind of going back here is that we spend a bit of time figuring out the real cause then we explore tools and then after a period of time you know if all's going well they they've, they have kind of these tools that they can you know that teach them that they can have better responses to the thing that created the problem in the past. So again, emotional eating, I've developed tools that now mean that instead of me needing to emotionally eat, these tools actually keep me in a really healthy emotional place. So now I'm no longer eating as much food, which has a massive effect on the weight that I'm trying to lose. Now, 
One of the biggest things then is once we've started to establish what those tools are is, is consistency. Consistency, you know, because ultimately what we're trying to create is a sustainable way of living that isn't just a short period of time, but is actually, I know how to deal with emotion in a healthy way, and I know that I'll be able to do this for the rest of my life. And if I know that I'm able to do this for the rest of my life, then I know that that bad side of eating, which was emotional eating, which often came with overeating of really unhealthy foods, has been eliminated from my life. And it's a really powerful moment, isn't it? Because it means that, you know, it's quite empowering and it uh, gives me trust, it gives me confidence, it it allows me to just know that this thing has gone. Whereas a lot of people who go through change in a way where they don't think of the sustainability is that they can hold change for a period of time. So this is the typical diet, isn't it? Lots of people can change for a diet for a period of time until they lose their ultimate weight. But it's really hard, and, and, and it's almost like they can't actually, they know as soon as they go off the diet, they're going to s- slowly slip back to where they started. And, you know, to me, that, that when I think about change, is that I want to create change that it could be manageable and sustainable for the rest of my life. And that's where this, this sense of consistency is really important because it's one thing to discover a tool that actually has a positive effect and actually allows me to feel that I can be successful in the areas that I want to change. But if I can't be consistent in holding that tool and maintaining what that tool can do, then I'm going to have that step back. And so I've been working with this client recently, and again, they're doing amazingly well, and uh, and it was really fascinating, uh, maybe it was in our last session, they were talking a little bit about this whole idea of, um, actually what we were talking about was, I, I wanted to introduce a tool that was a little bit of what, you know, a celebrating your wins, because one thing that came through in our conversation one day was this whole idea that they were quite hard on themselves and they were always searching for the better. So even if they were doing well, it was kind of never really good enough, you know, because I should be better and and, and ultimately I should be searching for better even if I am doing well. And I, I kind of, as we were having this conversation, I was just kind of saying, well, maybe one thing we could try to do is a way that allows yourself to catch your wins. So, you know, you know, some 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 really good tools for that is, you know, like to write down three good things I did that day or to attach emotion. You know, one thing I do is if I've gone out for a day where I know that I'm going for a run and mentally I'm a bit struggling to get out that door that day, I one thing I do is I visualize myself coming up the driveway at the end of my run and I put my arms in the air and find an emotion that I'm really kind of stim- that would really stimulate me and kind of feel that emotion and pump my energy as I do that. And so that's a that's a tool that I use that allows me to feel success on a day which I may have struggled or even failed on. And I use it as a motivator to get me out the door, but then actually in the moment when I'm out on that when I finish that run I I allow myself to go to that space. And so in this moment with my client, we were kind of searching for something like that. What's going to be the thing that allows you to to own your wins? And it's it's a big thing because a lot of people never allow themselves to own their wins. They never it's always never good enough. And to me that can be a big problem because if it's never good enough and I never allow myself to own my wins, well then is it always just effort? 
if you know if, if I can't you know do I do I stop myself allowing to have a lot of the good stuff that comes along with this journey so if I can never allow my wins and allow, allow myself to own my wins, does it mean when I go for a good run and I actually feel great at the end of a run that I diminish it because I go, oh, I can definitely be better than this? And does that actually have a bad effect on my running? Or when I've, you know, this is a classic one, I've talked about this on the podcast in the past, you know, that if you're trying to lose weight, let's say you're 20 kg overweight, and you've done really well, and you've stuck to, you know, the things that are going to help you lose your weight, and you've done it for a period of time, and maybe you've lost 5 kg, so you now have 15 k to go. But instead of allowing yourself just to feel great about the fact that you've lost 5 kg and reinforce everything that's done there, you kind of go, yep, but I, you know, you can't feel good yet because you haven't got, you haven't got that 15 kg yet. And to me, I think it's a really important part of your growth is to allow yourself to have your wins along the way. And it's, it's something I'm a real big believer in that actually that's a part of it. Now, we still need to stay focused on our strategies, our tools, and all the rest of it that's going to help us achieve the ultimate outcome and to be to learn how we can make this a sustainable thing with consistent behaviors. But you know, if it's always, I'm not good enough, I feel that actually pushes you away from success. And basically in this conversation with my client, what we were kind of getting to was that they felt that for them, they never allowed themselves to have the win. And that probably came from a place of um, that they thought that they needed to be more motivated. They thought that maybe it's weakness to do that or or it's just ingrained in them. So we were kind of trying to find, you know, earlier on I talked about, you know, one of my roles is to help find people to discover tools that's going to help, you know. So one thing we discovered was they need to feel more successful along their journey. So that was, you know, one thing we discovered, you know, that kind of deeper root thing. And then the next thing we discovered was we were trying to discover tools. And, And I kind of chucked a couple at them. And it was pretty obvious it just wasn't hitting the mark. And then I just did the thing, which is always a really good thing to do. And, and, you know, this person's been on their journey for a couple months and they're doing really well. And so I kind of did the thing of, I asked the question of, if I could clone you and have the version of yourself that started on this journey standing right next to you right now, the version of yourself that was ultimately really dissatisfied, really unhappy with where they were in their life so much so that they had to reach out to somebody which was a big thing to get support to try to create the change so this person who was in a really kind of not in a great place and if I had the ability to clone that person and stand them right next to you right now and say what they would think about how well you're doing right now if they could see you know, because this person had been really consistent in their behaviours, if they could see the change that you've created in such a short period of time, how would they feel about you? And the, the response that I got was that, that almost, you know, that my client felt that that version of themselves, you know, that cloned version from the start, would almost, almost not believe it's possible. Uh, because, you know, this person had... Can, you know, overcome many challenging moments and made the best choice often. And 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 to be honest, what's been really interesting with this person is there's been more challenges in their life 
just because of life. And as, as the weeks have gone on, we've been presented with different types of challenges, but challenges that are more demanding. And I've stepped up to the plate and made really great healthy choices along the way. And so they're saying that the cloned version in some ways wouldn't even, you know, wouldn't even believe it was possible in some ways. And uh, so the cloned version would just be majorly impressed with the version of my client that we're dealing with right now. And and when we did that, it was you, you, it was really interesting, you know, because my, my my sessions with my clients, we do them over Skype. So so I, you know, it's not just voice; it's we we, we look at each other uh, when we're having our conversations. And I could tell that when I used that question of if I were to clone yourself at the beginning of this and, and bring you forward right now, and how would you feel? You could see in that moment, my client was proud of themselves. In that moment, my client, I could see, you know, it was just so obvious. They just had one of those moments where, you know, you could just, you know, you know what it's like. You know when someone's really proud of themselves and you see that look on their face and maybe you even know it in yourself and you just feel really proud about yourself. And, and there was a moment where there was just a pause in the conversation and you could see they were proud of themselves and they kind of drifted away for a second just because they were just like, wow, that, I have done well. And there was a moment there that was great because what happened was they owned their good. You know, and before I was saying, well, one of the problems of the person who never is, is never good enough is how does that hurt their chances of, of success? And this person had identified that they were one of these people that, you know, you should always be seeking higher and I'm, you know, like owning the wind's a hard thing for me to do. But in this moment, that that idea of cloning yourself allowed them to have a moment of emotional success where it was quite it was quite a powerful thing and as I saw my client go through this moment of this emotional success it became really clear to me that somehow we needed to develop a tool that allowed them to feel to feel this more often and I really reflected upon this idea of the cloning idea worked and so then what I what we what we the tool we came up with was this whole idea of what we're going to call a start point comparison a start point comparison now this is stuff I've talked about in the past but I but what I want us to do this is going to go to the next level today so a start point comparison and if you've listened to any of my shows in the past a lot of them I've talked about this whole idea of comparisons are a really dangerous thing so a comparison is a really dangerous thing in regards to if I compare myself to somebody else. And it's something we see a lot with the new exerciser is that they compare themselves to people who are just way better. So comparison can be a really dangerous... Comparison, comparing yourself to a different time in your life. You know, you see this a lot with people who in their 30s or early 40s when they start to have children and, you know, they've had this kind of free life in their earlier years and then suddenly they get to a life where they've got children and career and they compare themselves to the lot you know, the version of themselves that was the younger version of themselves where they didn't have the constraints that life currently has upon them and so they feel disappointed. And one thing, you know, I encourage is whenever we go for growth is to understand my start point. And the whole idea is that when I compare myself, I should only compare myself to my start point. And it was actually interesting. I had a lady come up to me today for runners. I have a, um, you know, a race team, which is my half marathon group. And this lady came up to me and she said to me, uh, I've done a 150 half marathon before and 
uh, we've got a race that we're training for in about nine weeks from now. And she said, oh, I really want to do a 140. And, uh, and I said, well, what are your training times telling you? And um, she goes, well, they're telling me, you know, I'm probably around 150 to 145 right now. And I was like, well, that's where our start point needs to be. Because 140 is just a number you're pulling out of the air. It's not really based on the facts of what your training is telling us. And so if we say 140, we're likely to set you up for failure. So we're giving you a comparison point that's actually unfair and unrealistic upon yourself. Whereas your training times say that we could probably get you to a 145. Now, it's not that we can't push for 140, but we want to base it on the evidence that we see in your progress over the next nine weeks. And that's what we really thought about, you know, when we think of this comparison is that whenever we're trying to go on a growth journey, the first thing we need to do is to find where I am right now. Now, again, if you've listened to my shows in the past, that's the topic I've brought up a lot. But the one thing I haven't ever thought about in regards to this, and this is what this this lesson that I learned from working with my client on this one, is that it's to have a tool that you use as a reflection point along the way of your start point. So as, as my client was in this moment where you, I could see in their eyes that they were really proud of themselves and that they could they they were allowed to own their success in that moment, I thought there needs to be a way where this moment happens pretty much every day in this person's life. You know, there needs to be a way that this person can have that moment where they can see they are proud. And when we put that version of the cloned version next to them, they allowed themselves to go there. So what we wanted to do is to, to have a way that they can use that cloned version and a part of their regularly as a part of their toolkit. And so one thing I suggested to my client is to to go back and think about, you know, to go back to the person at the beginning. And one, you know, we've got, you know, I every session I have I send through kind of a, a, a quick wrap up and a quick kind of the homework for this week with my clients. And so with this client, you know, I said go back and read all of our emails. Read the email because before they start working with my clients, I say send me. I send them through like a list of ten questions, which is basically just give me an overview of where they are and what they're hoping to gain from working with me. And I, and I said just go back and read all of those, all of our communication. And I want you to kind of find a way to represent that version of yourself at the start of this. You might write something you might I'm not quite sure what it was but I also also said like maybe even like a physical representation so that you might have a bangle or you might have a jewelry for a guy or, or something that you can keep on you at all times which is almost like that that start point version of yourself you know, that, that kind of comparison point that I'm going to use, it's the healthy comparison point because it is where I started this journey. And that's what I said to my client is that ultimately I want you to come back to me with a real amazing start point comparison and a tool and, and almost like a physical representation that you use to reflect upon in your win moments. So that when I see those days where I've been really successful and in the past I would have felt, oh yes, but I actually look at the bangle. I look at, I don't know, the necklace for the guy or or 
you know, it's so funny. I, I remember years ago, there's a podcast I listened to, a guy called Merlin Mann, who is a guy who's a brilliant thinker, but in some ways it's a little bit frustrating because he doesn't sound like he has the ability to apply what he he sells. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, um, Merlin Mann had this thing. He wears just a, a um, kind of like a, like a, I would say like, a, it's not a piece of leather, but you kind of like a, a cotton thing around his wrist. And, and for him, it just represents, I am alive. And every time he looks at that cotton thing, it just is it just that kind of looks at it and just goes, I am alive. And what that represents to Merlin Man was life's here to embrace. And when I see this, um it's it's just a kind of a a tool that I use that makes reminds me that at my most important times I'm going to remind myself that I am alive and so that this tool helps me move towards the person I want to be, which is a person who lives a rich life. And that's really what we, you know, when we think about this idea of a comparison point, a start point comparison, but then a tool that represents that to me in an everyday way. And so with my client, I suggested that they come up. Now, I haven't I haven't had the next session yet, so I have to, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. But, you know, to me, let's reflect upon this with you. If you've, let's look at the area of your life you want to change in. So so pick that in your head right now. What is that? What's that one area of your life where you want to create some change? You know, it might be diet, it might be adding exercise, it might be productivity, it might be um, relationship, it might be, you know, as in having a better communication relationship, whatever, you choose that thing, in your head, what is that right, I'm going to give you two seconds to identify it right now, so ready, go, okay, there's your two seconds, now, what's your start point right now, What? where are you right now in this area, and and this is what we, you know, this is a really important part of this journey, is, is what is my start point right now? And I think the, the more detailed you can get around this, the better. The more understanding you can have around where you are starting this. And, you know, if I go back to the, the version of me and my runner this morning, it was kind of, well, where's your running at right now? You know, you want to be 10 minutes faster in the next nine weeks. Well, where are you right now? And her start point was she said, I'm probably, my training times say I'm around a 150. Okay, well, that's her start point. And that's, you know, that's quite a, based on the facts of my training. And the more detail you can get around your start point, I think the better. Because you can, if you can get more detail, the real value of it is you can see the more growth. You can see all the little bits of growth you've had along the way. So you've identified the area you've created a real representation of what this is to be right now. Like I know when I do my goals, the first thing before I do any of my goals is I do a, where am I right now? At what I call my position right now. And, and that's before I start the goal process because I've got to figure out where I am right now. So that's that's what you're trying to do. And then I think this is the bit that we want to add to the equation is what's a way, a physical representation that I can have in my life that allows me to go back to this moment and see, allow me to own my growth. Now, it might be something that I put on my body. It might be, you know, the piece of cotton that you have or the, the leather band that this Merlin man has or it might be a bangle or it might be, you know, something like that. For your cheapest, some people, and you know, this is quite an extreme level, but some people do like tattoos, aren't they? You know, they're more for, for a life thing, you know. So... 
what's the physical way that I can represent this to myself? And that's the place we're at with my client right now. There's that they're going to come back to me in the next session and they're going to say, Bev, here's how I'm going to remind myself of that start point comparison version of myself. Then the next part is to obviously use this in a way that's really powerful is for you to then go, when I have my wins, to not diminish those wins by feeling I should be better, but to actually look at my start point comparison and to think, what would that version of myself, that person that I identified at the start of this journey, think about this moment here? Now that's a really empowering moment, isn't it? That's a real, like I know, I occasionally have this, this moment in my life where I think, what if that, you know, one thing I do is a lot of public speaking, and I love public speaking, and, and a part of my public speaking is, you know, when you go into your public speaking, you're trying to gain credibility of the audience and and so what I do at the beginning of my speeches particularly with ones who don't know me is I kind of show that I'm a successful person but then I show the person who was a real failure and 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 kind of show that I overcome adversity and which gets me credibility with the audience and so when you do that you know I you know I often have to go back and reflect upon the kid that I was who was going nowhere and um and even, you know, as even if I do this often, but I do have that, that really cool moment where you think, there's no way the 19-year-old version of me would believe it was possible that I could be the person I am today. There's, there's just no way. It, like, it wasn't even, it's not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be possible. It, 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 there's just no way in that kid's eyes that they could see that was possible. Like, I, I just can't fathom it. I, I don't, if even, well, I suppose if I could clone the vision of myself now and go back and see the show, no, mate, you get there. <laughs> you know, like, you you actually get there. I imagine, you know, th- then they'll be, you know, maybe that's it. But, you know, it just wasn't possible at that time. And, and that's a really empowering thing for me to think of. It's like, wow, that kid didn't, look what I've achieved. And I, at that moment in my life, I didn't think it was possible. And that's the real value of attaching the start point comparison and having that physical representation of those moments where I have my wins. Because when I diminish my wins by feeling I should be better, I diminish the chance for me to be empowered. And when I feel empowered, I feel I can stay on this path. And if we go back to what I was talking about earlier, is that once we... You know, if I go back to that kind of, our first job is to figure out what needs to be worked on. The second job is to find the tools and explore which tools are going to work. And then the third job is consistency. And that's what, I, you know, with the client I'm working with right now is that they're in this place where we've found some really cool tools and consistency is the key. And, you know, and then we work towards the point where it's almost habitual and then it's sustainable. And when we think about what's going to hurt consistency, well, diminishing my sense of achievement, diminishing my sense of success, diminishes my sense of me being able to stay in this place and me feeling empowered. And ultimately, in that conversation with my client, when I said, let's clone someone and bring you back right now, and they went to that moment where they felt proud of themselves, what do you think they got to that moment? What do you think they got at that moment it's it's they got empowerment they got belief they got esteem they got confidence they got 
possibility. And if we're trying to grow, those things are massively important. So that's why this tool here, this whole idea of start point comparison, and to have a tool that I'm going to that's going to sit with me along this journey. And I, that's why I like this idea of a physical representation. A tool that will sit with me alongside this journey that, that's there to remind me of that person who started this. So that when I have the wins, I don't diminish it and, and lose the possibility to gain all those great things I just mentioned there. Uh, when I have a win, I look and I go, man, that version of myself would be really impressed that I did this. And I am allowed to own those good things. Now if you did that, and you are able to do that, do you think there's a higher chance you're going to be successful in being consistent and actually creating sustainable behaviours that you can sit in for a long period of time? And I think the answer is kind of obvious, isn't it? To me, that's what I believe. That actually, if I can own my good, I can gain so much more, which makes it more sustainable for me to do this. So if I'm going to wrap up the main gist of today's show, this, you know, ultimately there's probably a few kind of key things coming through. Figure out the right thing. Find, just explore tools. Find the ones that work. Aim for consistency in the first period. Aiming toward work towards sustainability with those tools. Because, I, you know, ultimately if I can do those things, the results are going to come. But what we want to attach to this is that, that start point comparison now with my client we had to go back we had to go back and say actually let's go back and you know really create that now but ultimately if you are starting on a journey right now it's to spend that time creating a detailed description or representation of your start point comparison and then to attach a physical thing and, and I do like the idea of putting something on your body or or maybe so, you know something in your in your space that you spend most time in your life and then when you have your wins to go back to your start point comparison and just put yourself in their shoes and let them see the progress you've made now to me if you put this in place along the journey of change there's a much higher chance you're going to be successful. There's a much higher chance you'll be consistent. There's a much higher chance you'll be sustainable behaviours at the end of it, which means there's a much higher chance that you're going to get the change you want. And, because this is how I was in this part of the show, there's a much higher chance you'll be that better version of yourself. That's the main gist of the show today, team. Hopefully you get something out of that. I do. I love. I love this idea. I love this idea of start point comparison. And I've done shows on comparison in the past, but I love this idea of having the physical representation that allows you to go back to that version that started, and it allows you to use this as a way to make yourself feel successful. Because to me, that's that's really great stuff. So I don't need to go on about that anymore. I've gone on about it enough in today's show. I do want to share another thing with you guys. I um I went down to a place called or, or up to a place called Hamner, uh, and just it's basically just a little, kind of very small. I wouldn't say it's a resort town. It's kind of like a little kind of well, we'll call it resort town, which is kind of an hour and a half out of Christchurch. And I did a talk for a group of principals. Uh, I'm not sure if every country calls them principals, but the head of schools of all the principals for the, my local region. And it was really cool. I did a talk and they were pretty great. And I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous going into a talk for these guys because they, 
they're very important people in their community. You know, like a principal, a school principal, man, that's an important role, isn't it? When you think about the responsibility that comes with that role and and the demands on those people must be pretty bloody massive because you think about a principal, A, they've got the kids and, and their, their responsibility to making sure these kids can get the best education as possible is really important. The demands of the parents, you know, and, and in, in many ways the demands of the parent who requires a lot of energy and then the the sadly the parents who don't put enough energy into their kids and those types of things so there's you know there's those types of demands uh but also they're a manager of of their staff so the you know and then they've got to look you know they work for a government so you know governments come with their own demands so it's it's i imagine it's a very very challenging role um that i can't even really comprehend how hard it must be to be in those shoes but the the cool thing is is they all seem pretty passionate about this thing that they did and uh so i got to spend i did my talk and you know they they responded really well they seemed to respond really well to my talk but they asked me to do a fitness session and it's quite funny because i never really get asked to do fitness sessions for um the talks that i do but this was a i think it was like a three-day conference for them and so uh you know they said well why don't you do a fitness session while you're here and I said well well, I am a fitness professional so uh I may as well do a session for them and you know when when people generally speak think about me with exercise you know I've got my kind of get up to five product but you know I'm kind of known as a hard driver of exercise but one thing I just thought about was what were the demands of the clients that I'm going to be working with today and you know school principals are obviously going to be a little bit older probably going to be anywhere from their you know mid early to late 40s through to up to you know up to into their 60s so I knew the crew was going to be a lot older um I knew there was going to be levels of fitness I knew that there was going to be the total you know person who doesn't really exercise at all and then I knew there'd probably be some people who were a bit hardcore and then there's kind of this range within it and uh and then I kind of thought what would be an objective of a session with those people and, and I kind of thought the objective was I wanted to make it fun so that um that it's enjoyable that, that, that they can have you laugh and that allows them to build connections because obviously these people have relationships with each other but I wanted to kind of allow them to build connections in a way that's a little bit different to maybe what you know the rest of the conference was about so they had this kind of fun shared experiences or experience where they were just kind of having a good time together and but also just had a bit of a deeper connection with each other along the way um, I wanted them to have a workout I did want them to kind of have a couple moments of where they were challenged and, you know, they walked away from it knowing that jeepers creepers, you know, I I had a good workout. And so the way I designed the workout is I designed basically kind of 10 games and and they were all just fun, lighthearted kind of games, but it was all kind of teamwork games and kind of some brain teasers. So like I had a game where they played like tic-tac-toe or knots and crosses um but it was done with kind of in a physical way i did things where they had to solve a puzzle so i actually bought like a jigsaw puzzle and each person had to run like 10 meters do one piece of the puzzle and run back uh, within the session i did a little five minute kind of hit session so it was kind of like 30 seconds on 20 seconds off kind of thing which got their heart rate up nice and high um i did just kind of some fun things where you know just all these kind of 
fun interesting sessions and it, to be honest it's kind of the session I don't do nowadays because I work for Lisa Mills who kind of give you the workout that you teach and then my running business is kind of more towards running goals and I don't really take these kind of sessions much nowadays but I have to say it was a real success in that it allowed everyone to get what they needed out of the session in a way that was achievable for everybody as well and you know they end up doing probably an hour 10 exercise with me but none of them you know no one they all got through it they managed the session really well but ultimately they had a really good time when they did it and I just kind of think that it's actually something that's really interesting uh I suppose why am I sharing this with you guys is sometimes when we think about exercise we think it has to be hard or you know it's not enjoyable but maybe sometimes we just need to think about different ways of making exercise fun um and you know and you can actually get a good workout like if you aren't somebody who's exercising right now and you think of exercise it's often i've got to go for a run well but running sucks but what if you were to get up with a few friends and make a few games that you can go to the park and play and that within the hour where you play some games there's going to be a little bit of light running within it and you were to do that in a really fun way and it was just, this was a real example of how you can make exercise really fun, really inclusive, and it lets people who, you know, some of the people don't exercise at all, that they felt really successful, they felt real value out of that workout. And so I suppose what I'm trying to say here is if you are someone who are looking at different ways, and for fitness professionals, think outside the box when it comes to making a fun workout. Like if I were to say you have to design a workout where people get, you know, their heart rate up a few times in an hour, but not crazy, where they're kind of just moving, you know, when you use functional life movement, how do you make a session that is as fun as possible for those people? Now that's a different question, isn't it? And it's kind of the question as I, you know, I designed the workout before I went to Hamner. And as I sat down and thought about the session, I thought, how do I make this a really fun, inclusive session? And it's just something to think about. And it's, it was a real example for me of exercise can be really great and and to be honest for kids if you think about kids exercise you know if you've got the sporty kid it's not a problem because they just want to exercise but if you've got kids who don't like exercise if you can make fun games up where they feel inclusive and part of you're going to get them moving and that's what we want to do is, is get people moving so just wanted to share that with you guys guys that's this this episode of the podcast um Hopefully I've got an interview to organise by the next one. I've, um, you know, the people who have had to postpone hopefully can come through in the next couple of weeks. Um, if not, I can do another Bevan show. Hopefully you get value out of these ones. If you want to become a patron of the show, you go to bevanjamesisles.com. That's really easy. And just go on there. you see a patronage link. You just go there. And you just donate a little bit to every show that I put out. And for the people who are patrons, you know who you are. You really make a big difference. If you want to email me, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, um, Twitter, anything like that. Um, oh, you know what? Go on iTunes. If you've got iTunes, go on iTunes and put some feedback about the show in iTunes. Make a comment about the show. Apparently it makes a difference. Other than that, I think I'm going to rock and roll. And uh, yeah, you guys have a great couple of weeks and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Rock on team. See you later. Mm-hmm.